This week on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture, Father Richard Days talks about the second greatest story ever told, Jesus's divine mercy. Father Rich is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, Kelly Roper. By way of introduction, Father Richard Days served our country for 28 years as a military vet- veterinarian before making, I was trying to do veteran, it's a veterinarian there, so, <laughs> exactly, before making the decision to serve God as a priest. He was ordained in 2010, served as the pastor of St. Mary's Church in Ellis and Sacred Heart Church in Colby. He is currently the pastor of St. Joseph Church in Hayes. He is the vicar for clergy for the Diocese of Salina, as well as the moderator for the Salina Diocese Rural Life Committee. And yet he finds time to be with us here on Catholic Radio. So we are grateful, grateful, grateful for his time. And welcome, Father. Second greatest story ever told is your topic. The first question, the second greatest story ever told is a book about St. John Paul II. So is, are we going to be talking about St. John Paul II? How do we want to take this direction? Well, I have to explain a little bit, and it's rather embarrassing. I knew that the second greatest story ever told was they were referring to divine mercy, and I thought maybe that's just, you know, they're talking about divine mercy. So I said I'd talk about divine mercy, and I put down second greatest story ever told, And Danetta came back on the email, and she said, would you like some questions? I said, that would be helpful. And so she had, she said, well, I haven't read the book, but I developed out these questions. And I said, book? Uh There's a book? (laughs) Holy smokes. So the first thing I did was run over to Messenger and said, do you have this book? It's panic time. (laughs) They said, well, ordinarily we carry it, but we don't have it now. We'll order it for you. And I said, when will it be in? He said, oh, maybe Thursday afternoon. I said, that's too late. (laughs) So anyway, I was going online trying to find out reviews and anything I could to try and help answer these questions that she gave me. Yeah. And um, so anyway, Monday night we had parish council, and I was telling people my sob story. I said, I didn't know it was a book. And uh, one lady said, well, I've got the book. And so she (coughs) called her son, and he brought it over. So uh, I read about the first third of the book and got to bed a little after 2, Tuesday morning, trying to get through all this thing. And I still didn't quite make it, but I got through a bunch of it. And, yes, it is a fantastic story about – Pope St. John Paul II, about all of the saints that have been dealing with the, uh, the mercy of God and how uh, Adam was afraid, Adam and Eve hid because they were afraid of God. And they shouldn't have been because God's mercy outdoes, it trumps his justice every time. Mm. And he loves us so much. And I have to admit, I'd have been in Adam's shoes, I'd have probably hid too because, uh, you know, I really screwed up, didn't I? Yeah. So, but anyway. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> the other thing that it, it came out interesting was um, I didn't know, of course, it was it, it, Pope John Paul II canonized Sister Faustina in the year 2000, and that's when he declared that the second Sunday of Easter would be Divine Mercy Sunday. I think I had heard of Divine Mercy before that, but I can't remember for sure if I had. I, I Yes, I had, because there's a national a shrine for the Divine Mercy, and it's in, it's in uh, Stonebridge, Massachusetts. And I was still on active duty. My goddaughter lives in uh, Springfield, Massachusetts, so... 
we went up and we visited all these places. We went to the National Shrine. And by the way, if you go to the National Shrine, the um, Norman Rockwell Museum is also in the same town. So be sure and catch that one while you're there, too. Nice. I mean, it's, it's worth going that far just for both of those if you don't do anything else. Yeah. So, yes, I had been and I was aware of Divine Mercy, but it really hadn't caught on that much until after I was uh, ordained. And then, of course, I knew the story a little bit. Before that, though, our Lord appeared as the, with the Sacred Heart to uh, St. Mary, Mar- uh, Margaret Mary, Aliqua. And the same theme, my mercy is I'm giving it out. I love you so much. And it, yes, they, everybody was giving it lip service. But so I think they decided uh, about because uh, the worst century, or the one of the most deadly centuries in the history of the world was the 20th century. And so Our Lady appeared to St. Faustina and St. Faustina passed away in 1938. So she knew that they were right in the middle of it because she, she tried with the Our Lady of Fatima, tried with the three children to have the uh, dedicate Rome or not, not Rome, but dedicate Russia mm. to my intention and everything. Well, they didn't get that done, and she said, this war will end, and it was World War I. It was the worst war that really we'd ever had. But she said, a worse one is coming if you do not dedicate Russia. Yeah. Well, that didn't happen, and sure enough, we had World War II. But Sister Faust- uh, St. Faustina was trying to get, get people to interested in it and dedicating it, Yes, we can't stop the second, the second terrible war, but we can shorten it if we dedicate it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I, I can't remember, I think it was Pope uh, Pius XI did go ahead and do the dedication, but he didn't get the word out to the bishops, so it really, quote, didn't take because he didn't have all the bishops involved with it as well. But the interesting thing is, and I think this is fascinating, Sister Fa- Faustina, or and Maximilian Colby, and a young uh, seminarian by the name of Carol Watikwa were all in a very small area in Poland. And um, when I was uh, over at uh, Sacred Heart or at, uh, in Colby, as well as um, St. Mary's in Ellis, I always talk to the kids and I say, okay, because they all knew NCIS was my favorite show, and I said, <laughs> does Spatial Agent Jethro, Leroy Jethro Gibbs believe in coincidence? And they said, no, he doesn't. And I said, you're right, and neither do I when it comes to things of the church and of God. Mm. God knew what he was doing when he put Carol Wotikwa, who was the future mm. John Paul II, Maximilian Colby, and Sister Faustina, all in a real close area. Now, they probably didn't know each other. In fact, I'm pretty sure they didn't at the time. Um, Maximilian Kolbe died in the Auschwitz uh, concentration camp. He was starved to death because he took the place of another individual. But how he plays into this was he established a mission over in Nagasaki, Japan, with the Franciscans over there, and he was the one who got it established. As it turns out, there was a, after the war, Second World War, they were trying to get the word, and I, this is because I rushed this when it was at 2 o'clock in the morning, I read this part, <laughs> but there was a history of a priest that they were trying to get to the United States and to Washington, D.C. to be with the, uh, his order there. And he went through Russia because uh, Poland was under the Soviet Union, 
He went through Russia. He got on a ship and landed in Japan, and the Franciscans at Nagasaki helped him to get to, to the United States. So that's kind of how all of this kind of plays together. Like I said, when it comes to God, there's no such thing as a coincidence. Mm-hmm. So it was a very interesting story. Um, I will probably take my time and read this whole book again to yeah. really understand what's going on. But that's the story. It was very embarrassing that here I was saying, well, yeah, I want to talk about the second greatest story ever told, the uh, Divine Mercy. And that's what I was going to talk about. Yeah. I didn't know it was a book, though. Basically, I, I knew that St. Uh, John Paul II had played a big role in this because, one, he uh, his, ta- his uh, announcement when he announced the sainthood uh, Sister uh, Faustina, and then announced at at the very same time that the second Sunday of Easter would be known as Divine Mercy Sunday. But what I didn't know was how he kind of played a role in all of this other, that he, uh, and some of the other saints that had a role in it was um, the little flower, uh, Saint uh, Teresa Lesur, Sister Margaret Mary uh, Aliquot, which I mentioned earlier, Maximilian Colby, and of course, Sister Faustina, all of those. And actually, Pope St. John Paul II was kind of coordinating all of the things that they had put forward for the divine mercy mm. and proposing it as for the, uh, for the whole church. Um, when I was stationed in Germany, I did go to Poland. I did uh, go to Auschwitz. I saw the cell at... Uh, St. Maximilian Kolbe was starved mm-hmm. in. Uh, I did not, and I did see the Black Madonna, but I didn't get to go see the, uh, the Divine Mercy. Yeah. But my niece did, and she gave me a nice little chaplet of the Divine Mercy. Oh, and beautiful. also it has a, uh, a relic to Sister Faustina mm-hmm. on the back of it. So mm-hmm. I carry that in my pocket, and I try around 3 o'clock in the afternoon to say the Divine Mercy uh, chaplet. And a lot of times when I'm driving, uh, if it's around 3 o'clock, I can say the chaplet, and then I go right on into the rosary to continue on with it. But, uh, uh, no, uh, it was very a very good prayer. Um, I mentioned about the uh, National Shrine. When I was, I think, the second year at the seminary, and they sent me to uh, Blessed John the 23rd. It's now St. Pope John uh, the 23rd National Seminary. And it's in Weston, uh, Massachusetts. It's about 18 miles from downtown Boston. And so that Easter, we were getting back on uh, the Saturday after Easter. Well, the next day was Divine Mercy Sunday. And so about two cars of us, the seminarians, went out there. And so one of the things is to uh, go to confession on Divine Mercy Sunday. So they had a big tent set up, and they had probably 20 or 30 priests sitting there inside the tent hearing confessions. So I did do one of the Divine Mercy Sundays the correct way. The rest of the time, it's usually been me hearing confessions rather than going to confessions. So, yeah. But uh, it was really remarkable, the, uh, the service that they had out there, the liturgy that they had with it and everything, and then uh, the a chance to go to confession there. So. Yeah. Again, if you get a chance to get to Massachusetts, be sure and visit the National Shrine. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. So excellent! I've been there once, and yes, it was a, a great experience. I don't know how much has changed. It's been a long time since I've been there. Probably well, it's been a long time since I've been years. there too. Yeah, I've yeah. been ordained 12, 12 years now, and this was my second year. So we're going back probably fourteen, fifteen years. So. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, excellent. In the book, it talks about St. John Paul the Great as the mercy pope. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yes, and a lot of this has to do with how he has kind of coordinated and how he promoted the uh, God's mercy and how God loves us so much and, and his mercy definitely trumps his justice. Uh, he also coordinated by, by uh, his canonization of uh, S- uh, Sister Faustina as Saint Faustina and uh, also establishing the Divine Mercy Sunday. But he also, uh, the other thing he did was kind of coordinate uh, the contributions of uh, the little flower of uh, St. Therese Lesur. And then she went all the way back to uh, St. Uh, Margaret Mary divine, uh, with the uh, Sacred Heart of Jesus as well. And all of these are trying to get across to us of God's mercy and how he loves us so much. But we still have the tendency, uh, practically everyone has a tendency, well, there's no way God could forgive that. Right. God can forgive every, anything that he wants. And, uh, and he loves us so much that he generally, if we are truly sorry, now he gave us free will so that if we decide we aren't sorry, we don't have to be. He's not going to make us. Right. But if we are sorry, he will forgive us. And so by uh, St. John Paul II uh, his promotion of all this has been kind and known as the Mercy Pope because of it. Right. So. Wow. And, you know, the one that really surprised me, I never really realized that, that St. Therese was included in oh, yeah. that. I never made that connection. I didn't either. And I'm still, uh, that was one of the uh, parts that I read over at 2 o'clock in the morning. So I'm not sure I can uh, define it very clearly for you. Yeah. But it is definitely in the book that she was one of the saints that was involved with the uh, the coordination of the divine mercy that uh, St. John Paul II uh, coordinated all of that. Um, again, Maximilian Colby, I suspect he had a lot more to do with it, just uh, having Franciscans in Japan to help the priest get to the United States. Yeah. But all of these things contributed to the divine mercy. So. Right. right. I'm going to have to get that. I haven't read the book, but uh, right. So, Father, um, there were You've already talked about uh, the the saints that that really contributed to the knowledge of mercy. So, is there a connection between um, divine mercy and Marian consecration? Yes, there is, and a part of it is because if you go back to Fatima, Our Lady of Fatima said, "If you uh, pledge Russia to my intention." She said, this war will end, but there's a worse war coming, and if you do that, it won't arrive. So by consecrating to Mary uh, is part of the divine mercy and part of the full story about it. Even during, and I said, I think it was Pope uh, Pius XI did the dedication. However, he didn't get the word out, and it had to be all the bishops were involved with it, too. If you remember, St. Pope Francis just recently rededicated Ukraine and Russia and uh, I know practically all, if not, if not all, practically all the bishops here in the United States. I know even over in, um, uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, St. Joe's, we did the read the prayer that the uh, mm-hmm. same one that Pope Francis was reading right. uh, at our service for dedication of Russia and Ukraine to the to the Blessed Mother. So, yes, it is all part of it. Uh, the other part that was kind of interesting was the fact that Poland played such a role in all of this. Now, I would have never thought that. I mean, if you <clears throat> step back and say, okay, we've got a Polish pope, 
we got a Polish saint that is the one who advocated the divine mercy. Yeah. We got a Polish martyr that kind of helped all of this get along. So, yeah, I guess it would make sense that Poland is really involved with all of this. But it goes back, uh, the first couple of chapters goes clear back in uh, almost ancient history, the time that uh, when Poland was no longer a country. But yet the Polish people were very strong in their faith. And uh, it wasn't any politician that really got them established as their country again after World War I. It was the Polish people and their Catholic faith. Now... Not only do you have the Catholics, but you have God's first people, the Jewish. They had a very high Jewish population in in Poland, which played a big role in all of this as well. I never would have thought anything about any of that. So I'm going to have to go back and read the book again to understand why all of this came together. Uh, I've got you bits and pieces, and I I would recommend to all of you to go out and get the book. Uh, Messenger will appreciate the business. Uh, yeah. Of course, I'm sure you could go uh, online. You can, for that matter, you could probably call to I Donnelly in Kansas City, and they could probably have it to, to you in uh, 48 hours at best. So, but it, it's an interesting story. The history itself. Well, I thought the first two chapters uh, were worth the time. Uh, it, and not maybe worth the panic, but we're definitely worth the time <laughs> of reading up on it. So yeah. uh, I think any one of you would really enjoy it, especially. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I'm, I think I'm going back to my hotel room this afternoon and I'm going to or this evening and I'm going to order it because it, it sounds very interesting. I've seen it, you know, advertised and stuff. I've just never picked it up actually and read it. But but what a fascinating the, the place where I found out about the uh, Saint Saint Therese being part of all of the mercy is in the 33 days to merciful love. I you know, that's where yeah. I heard about that and and that was eye-opening to me you know it was it, is. it was perfect but I, I just had never really considered that before so um, that was uh, really one of those moments where I went yeah obviously she should be considered right. part of that but but it didn't you know it hadn't happened for me before so I'm well, she excited. wasn't from Poland that was the other part there. yeah yeah there you go that must have been part of it but you know? part of the history too if you go clear back this is uh, uh, Saint uh, Margaret Mary wrote a letter to the to the uh, king of france to have all of this dedicated and to uh, bring forth god's mercy and capitalize on it and he totally ignored her letter well we all know what happened to king of france his son was uh, beheaded and uh, and france in fact it almost wiped out the church during the uh, french revolution in france because of all of the the hatred and everything that was going on that you would kind of wonder if what if he had done that, as uh, St. Mary Margaret suggested in her letter? We have no idea what might have happened to him right. the, with the church and with the country of France and, and everything. So, Right. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more about the second greatest story ever told with Father Richard Days. We're back on Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture on Divine Mercy Radio. Father Richard Days. The second greatest story ever told. 
Kelly Roper conducts the interview. All right, so we are again talking with Father Rich Days. Father, what else do you want to share with us about the book or about anything else? Well, basically, one of the questions Danetta uh, sent me was this a message of mercy, a message of hope, and why is that important? Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to me like, uh, one, our country is, uh, there hadn't been a lot of good news for our country the last few years, especially since after the pandemic. And also, it seems like the church is being uh, uh, getting some bad news from time to time. So hope is very important. And that's what this message of uh, the divine mercy is, God's mercy for us and the hope that he holds out for us and for his church on, uh, and uh, for all of the pe- uh, people, for that matter. So, yes, it is an important message. And uh, the, God's uh, mercy to us uh, offers us hope in all situations. So I think that's important, especially in the times we're living in right now. Yes, so good. Uh, and, you know, it is really difficult times right now. It is. It, you know, I can think back. I know there's been, historically, there's been worse times. But I look back, I, I look back over my life, I certainly haven't seen them. And, you know, I don't know. If I hear that a lot from people that there's worse times, but I've never seen such a tremendous attack oh, yeah. on life and and on the human person and gender and it just it, it well feels... we've never had people confused about whether they're a boy or a girl before. I, I just know. some of these things I just qu- can't quite understand what people are thinking or not thinking for that matter. Yeah. Uh, the other thing too is. Uh, the church has been attacked for all all sorts of different things, and uh, not just gender, but also the uh, family. Yeah. The family is a whole basis of our civilization, and they they are attacking the family very severely to uh, yeah. try and do away with it. And I I don't understand I don't understand it. And yeah. um, I'm sure the good Lord does, and I'm sure maybe that's why He's offering us His divine mercy to help yeah. us get through this. Yeah. So. And isn't that part of the Fatima message is that the, the last so. the last attack or the last battle would be over marriage and the family. Yes. And, I mean, how can we deny that that's where we are? I right. mean, I don't – I'm not I'm not trying to be a prophet here. I am absolutely not. But I am looking at that and thinking, I don't know how we couldn't be in that time period. Well, it, it's uh, – well – and who knows how long that time period is going to last. Well, I'm not saying the end of the world is tomorrow. I'm not trying to say that. Well, basically, uh, going clear back to when Christ walked on the earth, he said we are in the end times. Well, we don't know how yeah, long the exactly, end times are. Exactly. But definitely there are clear indications, and the attacks on the on the family are definitely part of that. Um, and, and part of it is uh, I was brought up uh, during the 60s with the sexual revolution and everything like that, and Part of it, it sounded very good, but on the other hand, they're doing away with the the uh, doing away with marriage because part of marriage was the relationship between the husband and wife to get each other to heaven, but it was also for procreation, for bringing baby uh, children into the world. And if you throw and uh, there's been several uh, people much smarter than I am who's quoted and say if you throw out the procreation, you've pretty well thrown out marriage. Mm. So, yeah. And that seems like what has been happening over the last 40 or 50 years. So, Yeah. Well, and there's just such a breakdown with so many divorces and so many um, just not even getting married, not, nobody caring about it anymore. It's, it's just hard to deny that 
that there's not something well in the past up until even through the 60s and starting into the 70s society as a whole supported the the religion of the the sacrament of marriage even if you were one of the protestant uh, churches that didn't recognize it as a sacrament they supported the dignity and the the uh, holiness of a marriage and the fact that it was for procreation of, of children, but also for the husband and wife uh, to give for their uh, bond and the unity to get to each other to heaven. Yeah. And that is slowly, it was slowly going out the window after that. So, and society definitely doesn't seem to be supporting it at all anymore. Right. There we have just about 20 minutes left. Okay. You obviously have a devotion to Divine Mercy. Oh, yes, very much. You want to talk about, you know, maybe what developed that de- that devotion for you or anything that you'd like to share with our listeners well, about that? Part of it was uh, when we, the group of us went from the seminary to Divine Mercy Sunday out there was part of it. The other thing, and I just was reading this, that, uh, and I've forgotten to mention it earlier, Pope John Paul II died on August 2nd, 2005, which was the eve of Divine Mercy Sunday. Mm. Now, that, as uh, Pope Benedict said, that very rarely happens. He said that you'll have uh, the eve of, and uh, I can't remember what was particular, uh, famous about that, except that it was. And so everybody's feeling bad as, as much as he was promoting Divine Mercy that he didn't, wasn't able to live to Divine Mercy Sunday. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the Old uh, Covenant and the uh, Old Testament and the Jewish tradition, the new day starts at sundown on the day before. So in actual whack, mm-hmm. he did make it mm-hmm. to Divine Mercy Sunday. Yeah. But he received a, a droplet of the precious blood and because they, before he died, he received a, just a drop of the precious blood for communion. And... Um, uh, so we know that he had died a very happy death. Uh, so, and Jesus, I trust in you is the motto, and very much so is a very good motto to have for everyone. Yeah. So, oh, so beautiful. And you know, what do they call that? The the viaticum food for the journey. Yes. When you, you yes. Know, I always think that's such a, a beautiful thing. You know, to to know that you know that's the last thing. It, it, you know, and am I right? Father, you 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 know so much more than I do. But am I right that um, when you receive communion, that it forgives um, venial, All your venial sins? sins yes. So the viaticum, if you if you don't have any mortal sins on your soul, it, it should be like a straight shot. Yes? Pretty much. Yeah. But basically, if you think about it, the last rites. If you're conscious and able to, you go to confession, so that's one sacrament. Yeah. You receive communion, the viaticum, that's two sacraments, and you're anointed with the anointing of the sick and elderly, that's three sacraments. Uh-huh. You can't receive hardly any more sacraments because those are about the only ones that, uh, except marriage, those are about the only ones that you can receive more than once. So if you've already been baptized, you've already been confirmed, that's about all you can receive, and the church has made a, a, a available for you to receive those sacraments. Uh, and that's why we pray to St. Joseph. I've got to put a plug in for the parish. Mm-hmm. That's why we pray to St. Joseph for a happy death, because yes. we believe when St. Joseph died, Jesus was on one side, Mary was on the other side. How much happier death could you have? Yeah. And so part of that is that uh, St. Joseph promises us that if we, uh, if we are devoted and so that we can have a happy death, that we will receive the sacraments before we die. So, um, yeah, 
Uh, we may still owe a little time in purgatory for the punishments due to some of our sins, but definitely all of our sins will be forgiven. And um, and obviously, uh, Pope uh, Saint Pope John Paul II, uh, by receiving the Viaticum just shortly before or the uh, precious blood, just shortly before he died, he breathed his last. That's about as happy a death as I can think of, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine any. Any better. That's what we hope for us, too. Oh, yeah, definitely. They're guiding us right right on up, you know. Uh, Grace of God. That's what it's going to take for me is, you know, the the grace of God. Getting those sacraments would make all the difference, wouldn't it? Excellent. So, um, you know, Father, I'm really fascinated, if you don't mind changing topics again. um, You know, your, your bio that you gave us, your introduction said that you served as a military veterinarian. Yes. So... I guess I'm not sure what the military needs a veterinarian for. So, so for the people who are dense like me sometimes, help us to understand that. Well, you were very polite in your question. Usually the question is, what the heck do we need a vet for? We don't have the cavalry anymore. <laughs> well, as a matter of fact, the mili- United States military has over 2,000 horses and mules. Now, most of them really? are for ceremonial purposes. But when I was stationed in Panama, the air police would ride patrols on horseback through the jungle chasing the bad guys. And they even had the uh, Dallas uh, Mounted Police come down to give them lessons on on, uh, how to ride the patrols. Uh, I didn't know it, but if you are mounted, you do not dismount. You disarm your, uh, your suspect and you cuff him from horseback. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting, too. Wow. But we also have the West Point mules. I even took care of the Navy's goat when I was in, uh, at Fort Meade, Maryland. So, uh, the Navy had a goat. Well, that's the mascot of the, oh, uh, the midshipmen. Should have known that. And yeah. uh, I haven't taken care of the Falcon for the Air Force Academy, but I did take care of the goat for a while. Yeah. So, yes, we do have those. but And then we have uh, probably several thousand military working dogs, both uh, the uh, narcotics dogs as well as the explosive dogs. And then some of them are just uh, for, for, for patrol purposes. But most of them are dual trained. They're either patrol and explosive or patrol and narcotics. Yeah. Therefore, while the Air Force had uh, uh, Corgan Terriers, because they were so small that they could go, they could search an airplane in about 20 minutes, whereas ordinarily if it takes you uh, some of those transport planes, it would take two or three hours to mm-hmm. search them uh, mm-hmm. adequately. So we had, they had various uh, uh, different animals that we take care of. In addition, we uh, provide a preventive medicine service to the uh, service members' uh, pets. So it's primarily vaccinations, uh, wormings, things of that nature. Yep. But... Uh, if we are an overseas area where there is not a veterinary service, we're authorized uh, full veterinary care to their, their dependent pets. Now, that's the animal medicine side, and that's the part that everybody's aware of. We are also responsible for food inspection. So if you leave the United States, you no longer have the safety of the FDA and the USDA guaranteeing you a safe food supply. That's our job. When we get overseas, we go into plants to see their materials, their methods, their sanitation, and uh, different ones we approve, and uh, we monitor that. Plus the shipment, things can happen to food and shipment overseas or to other places, so we monitor that as well. When uh, I was the commander in Germany of the the veterinary unit there, and we were the first ones that were deployed to Bosnia during that uh, situation. And Bosnia was quite a surprise for me, even though I'd spent all my uh, 
veterinary career in the military, that was the first time I'd actually been in a war zone. So some of the villages, you'd have one or two houses were totally destroyed. So that would have been probably like a Serb was living in a Croatian village. Mm -hmm. Or it may have been a Muslim living in a Serbian village. So, But there was a couple of them that were just totally destroyed. So their economy and their infrastructure was had broken down. One of the things that we did and was go in and approve bakeries. Hot, a warm bread or fresh bread is a good morale builder for the troops. Plus the fact, if you look at it, bread, once it comes out of the oven, if you protect it, it's a pretty safe product. Mm -hmm. So basically we would go in and some of them, uh, I went in with one of my captains who was down there and there was a couple of birds flying around. I said, uh, what about that? And he said, well, sir, if it's not a flock, we go ahead and prove it. I said, what constitutes a flock? And he mm -hmm. said, three or more. I said, okay, I can buy off on that. And so they would get the contract and then they would uh, we'd buy, pay cash for their uh, product and then they could repair their building because that would be one of the uh, provisions. You have to repair the holes in your building. Uh, there was a couple of places we went. We didn't have flocks. We had migrations, <laughs> and we didn't approve those at all. But this was a way to get uh, currency back in, to get the infrastructure built back up, which helped out because the baker would go down to the hardware store to get all of these, and that would help them to get their business built back up again. So. I felt pretty good about what we did in Bosnia with, uh, to rebuild their structure and their economy and plus provide uh, some pretty good bread for the troops that were stationed there at the time. So, yeah. But that's uh, – and that's something people don't think about. But uh, And why a veterinarian? Well, if you think about it, we've got all the microbiology. Uh, we know how to feed animals and how the, that's important for the nutrition. And we know, know sanitation. We know microbiology. We know all of this. And so it, it makes yeah. sense that we uh, would do the food inspection as well. Excellent. That's – I – that is fascinating to me, honestly. I have not heard any of that before, and so that is, that's really fascinating. What else? I know you were talking all about all the wonderful radio shows that you listen to and your favorite show and all of that. What would you say to encourage our listeners about Catholic Radio? Well, my homilies have improved since I started listening to the <laughs> uh, Catholic Radio. Yeah. Uh, I have to apologize to the folks out in Colby because uh, I didn't tune in on my uh, Internet like I probably should have. And as we know, right now, I can go as far as Greenfield out of Hayes and still pick up uh, Divine Mercy Radio. But from there on, um, you're, uh, although one night I did get to Oakley. Uh, to still picking up the radio station. So uh, it has helped my homilies. Uh, I l do like uh, their f morning show, and I realize that some of the folks at the uh, dinner table today didn't care much for it, but I <laughs> liked it because I can tune that in while I'm having my coffee and uh, get kind of caught up on the news. The other show I really like, uh, and I can't remember the doctor's name, but he uh, they call in questions, and he is a wealth of information on the uh, on uh, the scripture and can pretty well quote it. And he said, now it's either chapter three verses such and such, or it might be verses so and so. Yeah. And you look it up, and he's dead on on every yeah. time. Yeah. The other one is uh, Al Christie in the afternoon. I really enjoy his interviews. They're uh, all a wealth of information. Yes. So. Yes, yeah. I would say my favorite is Dr. David Anders' um, yes. Call to Communion. The, yes. um, amazing, and he has just a, such a command of the catechism and of the, the Bible. It just 
amazes me, truly amazes me. What also has been interesting is a lot of the folks that are on uh, EWTN radio were starting out as Protestant ministers just trying to tear the Catholic Church to pieces, and all of a sudden now they're defending it, and none of the attacks surprise them. I used that attack. It didn't work, and it's not going to work for you either. Right. So I really appreciated that part of it, too. Sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, we have just uh, three more minutes. We want to make sure that we get your blessing before we end. So we're going to get our blessing from Father Richard Days. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the radio station, the Divine Mercy, to spread the news of your great mercy and your great love for us and for all people. We shouldn't be afraid to come to you with anything, because you know it already, and you are very merciful, and your mercy, thank God, thank you, your mercy trumps your justice. You are a just God, and rightly so, but you are also most merciful, and so we are very grateful. And so please send your blessing to all of our listeners and to all of your people, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Double-Edged Sword, cutting to the heart of a deceptive culture. If you're a business or service that can support this Double-Edged Sword show, please note that your underwriting will run three times during this show, which runs five times a week. Just give us a call at 785-621-4110. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts.